Well, welcome to another week of broadcast here on The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and for those who are listening to K-Bright, as Jim Wells just mentioned, it is Movie Monday, and the good news about Movie Mondays is that usually means free stuff will ensue, uh, the giveaways. And today's giveaway, well, we've got so many stories to cover. I want to start with the good news first. Um, and the good news is Emilio Estevez is going, or Estevez, I, I think I'm, I'm going to stay with Estevez. He'll correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, in about a half hour. Emilio Estevez of the Mighty Ducks and Breakfast Club fame is going to join me at the bottom of the hour today here on the Bottom Line Show. Now, this is not the first time Emilio has been on the program. As a matter of fact, in February of 2012, had a chance to record an interview with him when a movie of his had just been released on DVD, which was the, about the only way you could watch it at home back in the day. The movie's called The Way. And it's about the Camino de Santiago, which is the way of St. James, if you will, the 500-ish mile, uh, not ish mile, but 500 miles, give or take a few, uh, journey from the Pyrenees in France to the church in Spain where uh, the remains of the Apostle James are buried. And this has become a pilgrimage that many people have made. It's like 187.9 kilometers, so that's where you get the... 500 miles, give or take. But it's very interesting to watch this film unfold because it's a journey that uh, Emilio wanted to make. It's a journey where I believe one of his children, he's got a son and a daughter. I believe this is where his son actually either met his future wife or proposed to her. It's a journey. I mean, if you think about it, 500 miles, if you were walking 20 miles a day it would take you 25 days. It'd take you about a month to, to do it. And that's a pretty serious, strenuous journey. But the movie, The Way, uh, filmed on location, stars Emilio's dad, Martin Sheen, given name Ramon Estevez, who uh, has a son, played by Emilio, who is kind of one of those, uh, well, <laughs> kind of one of those millennials who was uh, 40 years old, and I want to see the world, Dad, and life's too short for a day job, Dad, and I'm glad that you're a successful optometrist and ophthalmologist because I can do this. Uh, he wants to walk the way. And in taking the journey, his son, Daniel, Tom is the doctor, uh, winds up losing his life. And so now Dad gets the call. He's on the golf course with some of his buddies and says, hey, you got to come uh, to France because... This is, you know, we got to collect your son's remains. And so he flies to France immediately. He goes to get his son's body and his things and decides that he's going to finish the journey, the pilgrimage for his son. It's a beautifully done story of spiritual experience. Martin Sheen, of course, a very devout Catholic. Emilio talks about the fact that his mom was a very passionate Baptist. And uh, as he, he says, as you can imagine, in a home with a couple of headstrong people, like my mom and dad, both sincerely passionate about their expressions of Christianity, my dad being a devout Catholic, my mom being a devout Baptist. He said, regarding who actually won these spiritual arguments at home, he said, we hardly ever went to Mass. I'll just <laughs> put it that way. Anyway, but the way is going to be showing as a Fathom Events event a week from Tuesday, uh, May the 16th, in theaters. That's a week from tomorrow night. And so we've got a couple of pair of tickets to give away. And since you're listening in the first half hour, you get top priority. You get basically it means your name goes in the drawing first. We have two pair of tickets for the May 16th showing of The Way starring Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez. 
800-696-9970 is the number to call. 800-696-9970. Wait, I'm giving you Dennis Wilson's number. 800-227-5278. I got Dennis Wilson's movie too. So you can call Dennis. Let me back that up. 800-227-5278 is the number to call for the movie tickets. 800-227-5278. The girls are laughing at me now. 800-227-5278 gets you through to the bottom line show. Call that number. Get in on the drawing for The Way, Emilio Estevez, two pair of tickets, Fathom Events, playing all over the country. Okay. Since it's a movie Monday, we also have uh, screeners for the, the movie Baby Boomer Dilemma, courtesy of Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial. For that movie, you can either call us, 800-227-5278, or Dennis, 800-696-9970. Okay, there. We squared that away. Whew. So much good thing, so many good things to give away. That is for sure. Uh, it does take a bit of the edge off of the heavier stories at hand. Um, of course, we have the story out of uh, Allen, Texas, just outside of Dallas at the uh, Allen Premium Outlets over the weekend. Mauricio Garcia is identified as the man who uh, was accused of fatally shooting eight people and wounding seven others at the uh, premium. Uh, this is a guy who had been, uh, people are wondering, you know, about the mental capacities of anybody who buys a gun or a couple of guns. He had an assault style rifle. Now, AR-15, I know is not an assault weapon, but apparently he had an assault style rifle and a handgun. In Texas, you do not need uh, proof of registration to own a handgun. You don't need a concealed carry weapon permit to carry a handgun in Texas. That may be changing after this event. Of course, Governor Abbott was present at a memorial service for the the victims and the families of the survivors as well. But people are looking into the background of Mauricio Garcia and asking the question, why? You know, what 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 led to this? Um, oftentimes the the press will give you the story about how they have a military background or something like that. And we have to pay attention to uh, people who do spend time in the military. It's true. Mauricio Garcia did enter the regular army. He was an enlisted guy in June of 2008. He was in the army for three months and then his army career was terminated. Uh, It was terminated according to uh, Heather Hagen, who's the U.S. Army Public Affairs spokeswoman. She gave a statement to Fox News where she said he was terminated three months later without completing initial entry training, which I'm assuming means boot camp. Quoting Ms. Hagan, he was not awarded a military occupational specialty. He had no deployments or awards. We do not provide characterization of discharge for any soldier. Um, According to an Army official, Uh, He was separated under Army Regulation 635-200, paragraph 5-17, which was, uh, and this is from the 2005 edition of Army Regulations, and the designation for him no longer being a member of the military was, quote, other designated physical or mental conditions. Um, Allen, Texas Police Chief Brian Harvey did not answer questions. Uh, from other outlets at a press conference late last night. Uh, There were some people who were saying that this guy might have aligned himself with the white supremacist movement. Um, I'm not sure how an Hispanic guy fits into white supremacy, to be, I mean, just to be perfectly frank. Um, But nonetheless, uh, the fact that he did open fire, that he did kill as many people as he did, and then, as the press were quick to report, the situation was, quote unquote, neutralized. And it's unfortunate. It's just, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to think of people going out on a Saturday morning, 
Um, going to an outlet mall, how many times have we all done that? Gone to a farmer's market or an outlet mall of some sort. Uh, people are just mixing it up, having a good time. Uh, you know, first full weekend of spring in May. You know, I mean, obviously spring's been going for a while. And, uh, and then all of a sudden the gunshots go off. And to think of how many people were either killed or wounded in a relatively short period of time before the shooter was neutralized, before his life was claimed, it, it, it is really heartbreaking. And of course, we'll see the quote unquote common sense gun law debate start sparking up again. Uh, there are those in the political world who have their own agendas and they have their own opportunities to capitalize on something like this, either for or against heightened gun regulation. I think most people can recognize the fact that people who are criminally motivated, people who may not have both feet in the batter's box, you know, because of mental or emotional uh, deficiencies or, or challenges, whatever you want to call them, aren't going to play by the rules. I mean, the reality is there's evil in the world and people, the same, <laughs> the same weapons that can be used by law-abiding citizens to defend and protect your family can be used by people who don't have a desire to follow the rules to go and take people's lives. And I honestly cannot imagine what possesses a human being to say, today I'm going to wake up and kill other people. I mean, I'm just, I'm sharing that with you, not capriciously, but uh, that's definitely something that uh, does not cross my mind ever. And my heart breaks for people when it does, either that they want to take someone's life uh, willingly or that they get to the, um, uh, the idea that uh, here comes, you know, an opportunity for me to end my life. And if I get involved in a shootout with police, then I think they call it a, a death by cop or, or suicide by cop, where somebody will give the opportunity to, uh, you know, get into a, there was a road rage case here in Southern California a couple of years ago where a guy got into it. He got pulled over for something. And uh, when he did, then he opened fire on a cop. Other cops showed up. And basically that was his motive, apparently, was that he was hoping that a shootout would ensue and that he would die at the hands of police officers. And then maybe people would either be sympathetic to his cause or he wouldn't have to end his own life. I mean, Father, we come before you today asking for your comfort for those who've been imp impacted by what happened in Allen and also in Brownsville over the weekend. And we also come before you, Father, asking, we're, we're never going to get the answers to all of these situations this side of eternity. But I pray, Father, that you would be merciful to those upon whom um, your favor rests and your family. I mean, there may have been brothers and sisters of ours who were either injured or, or mortally wounded in that shootout. And I pray, Father, that you would comfort their families, that you we would trust their souls to your care. And for those who are coming to grips with the fact that, hey, life does have an expiration date. This life does. And we don't always know when, quote unquote, our proverbial number is up. So would that we be more mindful to share the good news of the gospel with those who need to hear it? Because I'm sure there were many people who went to that mall, the Allen Premium Outlets on Saturday, not thinking this would be their last day. And that all answer God tomorrow. I'll give my heart tomorrow. I, I've got lots of time to make that decision. I've still got a lot of life to live before I surrender to the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the hour of salvation. And I pray, Father, for anyone who's listening to this conversation right now who might be on the fence, 
maybe had been going to church and found themselves in a situation where they they had a a question about their faith and and they didn't know quite what to do to get the answer to that question. And next thing you know, they're walked away from you. They're they're concerned that maybe just maybe you aren't there. Father, make yourself real to those brothers and sisters in this moment. Bring back those who've strayed. And Father, we pray for comfort for the family of Mauricio Garcia as they try to figure out what led him to take these uh, drastic and final acts against these other people before his own life was ended. Father, thank you for being a God who hears and answers our prayers. And we ask all these things in the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, and all God's people said, amen. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to look at a new report that sheds some light on the other side of a very, very controversial issue that seems to be rather one-sided, though for some reason it really shouldn't be. We'll take a look at that coming up on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. First, though, we've got some thanking to do. Uh, we want to thank you as a bottom line listener for, who has supported uh, the ministry of Preborn and want to thank Robert for his $28 monthly donation to the Preborn ministry. That $28 means that every month a woman who thinks she might be pregnant can go to a Preborn clinic, get the pregnancy test, get the ultrasound, see the image of the baby on the screen, hear the baby's heartbeat. That whole process costs about $28. When you pledge a $28 monthly donation, that means that every month, another baby's life will be spared, and a woman who may or may not heard, have heard the gospel message presented before will hear the gospel message. In addition to literally 60, 70,000 lives being saved every year physically because of the babies that are saved through preborn ultrasounds, another 10,000 women give their heart to Jesus Christ because of your donation. Steve, thank, thank you so much for that $28 donation coming from my hometown of Whittier, California as well. Uh, 833-850-BABY is the number to call. Make your best tax-deductible donation right now, especially with Mother's Day coming up. This is a perfect way to honor expectant mothers. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or go online to kbrightradio.com, click the preborn banner, and give your best donation today. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We are so grateful for you who stand with those of us who support the sanctity of human life. And our grateful uh, Robert's fifty or twenty-eight dollar donation to Preborn that came in over the weekend. It's a monthly contribution. A lot more people are doing that. I, I love that. Sometimes you'll say, "Gosh, Roger, you talk about Preborn and giving a donation of two hundred eighty dollars. It's going to save ten kids' lives, or uh, one hundred forty dollars for five kids, or fourteen hundred, you know, for fifty. And it just it seems like more than I can actually do. Well. What if you took that $28 a month and you or that $280 and say, hey, I could do $28 a month? I mean, sure you could. Lisa and I had uh, uh, went, had a little brunch after church yesterday, and I looked at the bill. It was just the two of us, and it was almost enough to sponsor two kids and saving them from certain death of abortion through preborn. I mean, prices have gone up in restaurants. They've gone up at the grocery store. They've gone up all over the place, and yet the preborn price for providing that kind of comfort and care for a woman who has a pregnancy and is now not sure what to do. One thing is for certain, if she goes to an abortion clinic, that abortion clinic is going to tell her, guess what? You have two options. Either you can make the pregnancy go away and your whole life will continue the way it ordinarily was, normally was, air quotes, or you can, uh, well, I guess you could put the baby up for adoption. 
But if you look at Planned Parenthood's statistics, the number of babies that were aborted that Planned Parenthood will acknowledge having aborted was 382,000 in the last fiscal year. And then the number of adoption referrals was 1,400. Now, I'm not a math wizard, but I'll tell you what, something tells me that the number of women who are being told about adoption as an option is pretty small. But what about the guys involved here? I mean, last time we checked, men have to be involved in pregnancy. I'm not saying men like I'm pointing my finger. Men, it's a biological fact. Anytime you see a couple of women standing before the camera saying, we're so happy, or a couple of men saying, we're welcoming a baby. Well, you two guys might be welcoming the child, but one of you is not carrying the child and giving birth. And if you hear two women saying, we're giving birth, uh, well, one of you is giving birth, but you had help from a man. There's no physical way two women can naturally reproduce. There is no physical way two men can naturally reproduce, and there's no way anyone born male can give birth. Nor is there any way that a woman who is born female and then transitions to male can impregnate a woman. I mean, that, that science is settled. You could talk about studies of artificial wombs and insemination and this, that, and the other thing, but there's absolutely no way. And quite frankly, I'm not that we're turning this into a, a transgender you know, type of conversation. I don't understand why people who would say, well, I love God and I believe this is the way. Why would a loving God who created us in his image and created male and female in the image of God, scripture tells us male and female, he created them. Why would he create us in such a way that we could not fulfill the ultimate experience of the coming together of male and female in the same way Christ and the church are one? In the same way marriage is not about just us going, hey, I'm a guy and I found a beautiful woman and we're going to get married and woohoo, I mean, this is great. But it's a representation of Christ and the church. I mean, the, the, the whole world is coming to a culmination where there's going to be a massive wedding feast where Christ the bridegroom is going to come back to claim the church his bride and we're going to have a big, huge party. It's not going to be Christ the bridegroom coming back for his groom. I mean, there, there, there's a physical side, there's a symbolic side, and so when it comes to pregnancy and reproduction and things like that, it's so interesting how the left just wants to say, well, here's the deal. Uh, pregnancy is about what you want it to be. No, that's really not. It's about the fact that a man and a woman co consummate a relationship, man impregnates the woman, the sperm you know, fertilizes the egg, the woman carries the child to, uh, full, through gestation to delivery, full stop. We've seen psychologically what happens to women who have abortions. When you see that 55% of women who are post-abortive say, oh my gosh, if I had known that adoption was an option, I would have chosen adoption. When you see that there's an increase of 500% in women who are post-abortive with regard to uh, emotional problems, physical challenges, things of that nature, the left doesn't want to talk about that. But what about men? I mean, don't the guys have feelings too? For the number of women who say, well, the reason I got an abortion is that deadbeat dad boyfriend of mine would never be there, and he was the one who wanted it. And that may actually be a, a legitimate fact. I mean, that may be an actual fact. Not a legitimate reason, but an actual fact why some women feel like that's their only choice. 
But a new study commissioned by a group called Support After Abortion and conducted by Shepherd Research of Oklahoma City asked men who identify as pro-choice, in other words, they're okay with abortion, what happens to their mental health or their emotional health after their partner, either their wife or their girlfriend, has an abortion? Would you be surprised to learn that 71% of men whose partner had an abortion had an adverse mental health impact afterwards? That 83% of men said that they have either sought help or could have benefited from talking to someone about their emotions after having an abortion. And 55% of men who identify as pro-choice on abortion fall into that same category as well. 55% of men who identify as pro-choice on abortion say that once their girlfriend or wife had the abortion, they had emotional distress. They sought to have counseling. Now, there's another part to this study that involves religious faith, and I'm going to share those statistics on the other side of this break. They aren't pretty, but if we're going to talk the sanctity of human life, we have to look at those statistics as well. That's all coming up next as the bottom line continues. Don't believe your insurance company is looking out for you. They're not. They want you to call them after you're in an accident, but you shouldn't handle that alone. That's where Stephanie Cover of Cover Law shines. With 20 years of insurance industry experience, she knows all the angles and will fight for your rights. Insurance companies pretend to be your partner, but in reality, their primary goal is to pay you as little as possible. When you work with Cover Law, Stephanie becomes your negotiator, and the insurance companies must talk to her, not you. You need to rest and heal. Stephanie is different from other attorneys. She's fully invested in your legal, medical, financial, emotional, and spiritual needs. After an accident, you don't want to deal with insurance adjusters who want to minimize your payout. So don't wait. Contact Cape Wright's personal injury attorney today at capewrightradio.com slash coverlaw. You won't pay a dime to talk to someone who truly cares about your healing. Did you know that sometimes it can take up to a month to get your police report after a traffic accident? Do you know that sometimes your insurance company, if you have a slip and fall, even with good insurance, can still take longer than a month to start processing your claim? That's if you try to handle it on your own. Don't try to go it alone. Get Stephanie Cover in your corner. 877-214-4935 or go online to camebrightradio.com forward slash Cover Law. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Hey, have you signed up for our Mother's Day uh, event, our big giveaway coming up yet? You haven't? Go to camebrightradio.com, hit the Mother's Day tab that's there and sign up. Either nominate your mom for the Mother's Day prize package or nominate yourself. Talk about why you like being a mom and why you feel so blessed in doing that. Um, kbrightradio.com, you'll see the Mother's Day promotion. Uh, Second prize is a massively beautiful bouquet of flowers and grand prize is a spa day. It's a spa package that you will really enjoy. So you'll find all that information, but Mother's Day is coming up. And by the way, when you share your testimony about either what you like about being a mom or the mom in your life that was such a huge influence for you, We'll be sharing those throughout the week here at kbrightradio.com. 55% of men who support abortion hurt so badly after an abortion that they want emotional help. That's according to a new study 
by the folks at uh, Support After Abortion. Shepard Research Group in Oklahoma City conducted this report. I mentioned earlier, 71% of all men whose partner had an abortion suffered an adverse mental health impact afterwards. Many of these guys were the ones who consented to or suggested the abortion. Sometimes they weren't. Sometimes these are guys who said, oh, yeah, I'm pro-choice. And then their girlfriend has a, an abortion and they're like, wait, wait, that was my, that was my son. That was my daughter. That's why when people go to preborn and they see the ultrasound, it changes the game for them. 55% of pro-choice men said they had some kind of mental challenge after an abortion took place. Three quarters of men regret the fact that their child was aborted. 20% of men experience abortion in their lifetime now, one out of every five men. But check this out. The number of people who identify as Protestant who've had an abortion reaction like this. 30% of the men call themselves Protestant, 24% call themselves Catholic. If we think that the abortion problem is only happening outside of the church, we really need a big mirror. It happens everywhere and there are people inside the church, there's someone in your congregation right now that is contemplating an abortion even today. And the reason I stress standing in support with preborn is because maybe that person will get the referral. Maybe that person's listening to my voice right now. Maybe they're going to pick up the phone and call 833-850-BABY to make a donation to support preborn or to find a preborn clinic where they can get that free ultrasound. 85% of the women who do wind up choosing life for the child. And many of them find salvation through the witness of preborn as well. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com and click the preborn banner when you're there. All right, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, it's Movie Monday here on The Bottom Line Show, 800-227-5278. I was giving you Dennis Wilson's number earlier. You can call that too and get a free copy of the, uh, the movie, The Baby Boomer Dilemma. But Emilio Estevez is going to join me on the other side of this break. Yeah, that Emilio Estevez from The Mighty Ducks and from breakfast club and all that stuff he is the director and producer and also co-writer of a brand new movie called the way it's about the camino de santiago great pilgrimage journey that a lot of christians and people who are just searching in their faith make every year it's a 500 mile trek from france to spain the movie is going to be in theaters a week from tomorrow night and we have two pair of tickets to give away too so be listening on the other side of this break to find out how you can win the tickets Emilio Estevez joining me next as The Bottom Line continues in just a moment. Movie Monday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, joined by a very special guest, and this is kind of a fun bookend if you are a longtime listener of The Bottom Line Show. Around 2011-2012, a fun little, not documentary, but a great uh, story about the Camino de Santiago was released, and Emilio Estevez is the writer, director, producer of this, this great movie starring his dad, Martin Sheen. The movie is now coming back into theaters on May the 16th. It's called The Way. Very simply, it's about the Camino de Santiago. But it's having a, a, a maybe, I don't want to say an unintended positive reaction with people, but it's really striking a nerve with people who watch this about the way of St. James. And Emilio Estevez is with me today here on The Bottom Line to talk about this movie. Emilio, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Hey, thank you so much. It's so great to be back with you. And uh, and I'm, I'm really excited to be talking about this movie because... Uh, as you said in, in your wonderful introduction, it's, um, th this is a movie that uh, is, is finding an, a new audience. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, a new uh, generation is discovering the film, and uh, and and it really feels uh, more timely now uh, than it did when we first uh, re- released it in 2011. So many different arcs in this film. I mean, there's the father-son component. There's the the, mm. the, the spiritual, you know, relevance of, of finding your way. And I think that the recurring theme of pilgrimage, you know, coming through this really rings loud and true, especially for a lot of people who are kind of disillusioned over the past maybe five, 10 years with the American way of life and saying, there's got to be something more. Talk about the the role that the pilgrimage has. I mean, kind of give our listeners who may not have uh, heard of this film before or haven't seen the trailer yet, uh, kind of give us a 60-second overview and then talk about that pilgrimage aspect, if you would. I'll, I'll do my best 60-second elevator pitch, but the film <laughs> uh, is essentially, the, the movie is, is, as you said, a father-son story. Uh, it, it, uh, but it, more in the, it, it leans into the, the, the tragic uh, relationship between a father and son because the film opens, and this is not a, a spoiler, uh, it, but the film opens with the death of the son, uh, whom I play, Daniel, who's been on, who's on pilgrimage, which is a thousand-year-old trek across the north of Spain that starts in, in the Pyrenees in a, in a small uh, town called Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port. It goes 500 miles, or as they say, 800 kilometers, across the north to a, a city called Santiago de Compostela. And the cathedral there is where the bones of St. James, the Apostle of Christ, is buried. And so pilgrims have been making this journey for, for over a thousand years. And the, the character I play, Daniel, uh, it dies on his first day out. The father goes to, um, to St. Jean-Pied-de-Port in the Pyrenees to collect the remains to bring him home for burial. But he has this epiphany. He has this moment where he says, I'm going to do, I'm going to have the, 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 the body cremated and I'm going to take him along and I'm going to do the pilgrimage in his honor. Mm. And what he doesn't know at the time is that making the pilgrimage is going to have such a profound effect on his life. Uh, and, it, and it ultimately forces him to be a citizen of the world again, to leave his country club life behind mm-hmm. and actually join, join the rest of us. Uh, so he discovers his faith. He discovers himself. And he better discovers the son that he was somewhat estranged from. Right. And he becomes a father to the several pilgrims that he picks up along the way, or who in turn pick up him and lift his mm. spirits. Mm. So it, thought... it is, it, in, in many ways too, and if you look at it, it's, it's almost a retelling of The Wizard of Oz, because <laughs> my father's character is, is, you know, it's not a tornado, but it is an emotional tornado sure. with the loss of the son. And he's Dorothy. Uh, he meets the, the cowardly lion in The Dutchman. He meets the tin man in, by way of the, um, the, the character Sarah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the, the scarecrow uh, by way of the writer who's having a writer's block. So he's looking for his brain. And, and the four of them go off to, uh, you know, to, on, on the yellow brick road, which incidentally, the, the Camino is marked in yellow. The road is marked mm. in yellow. <laughs> wow. 
That's a remarkable, it's a remarkable journey to watch. And if you go to the Fathom Events page, you'll find out that on Tuesday, May 16th, uh, one night only in theaters, The Way is being shown. And I highly recommend you see it, not only because of the movie itself, but I have it on good authority. There's a little bonus selection at the end. A lot of these Fathom Events do, <laughs> featuring the director and the star and the travel writer, Rick Steve, who actually, uh, a lot of his stories kind of fueled your story. And that, in and of itself, I would just watch that. I mean, the movie's great, but then you're, okay, I saw the the, the, the tail end part too. The three of you guys just kind of messing it up there in that little uh, pub, if you will, in Edmund. <laughs> you guys we we uh we actually made our own pilgrimage to visit Rick Steves in Edmonds, Washington uh several weeks ago and we uh we did a con- we filmed a conversation in what's called now the Church Key Pub which was Rick Steves' father's piano sales store mm. when he was a child and so so there we were on on what I you know what Rick considered and what we considered this this hallowed ground and we had a conversation between the three of us about faith, about family, about Spanish culture, and Rick's mission, which is the road as church and pilgrimage as a way of re- not only uh, reflection, but, but reconnecting with your faith, and, that, and how important pilgrimage is across all faiths. Yeah. And so it, it, it really is a, a, a pretty extraordinary conversation. There will be a 20-minute portion of the conversation at the end of the Fathom event on the 16th that you can that you'd be able to see. But Rick and I are working on a much longer, because it, I believe Good. it went on for about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll, we'll find the, the best part of that hour and a half uh, and distill that down to about an hour conversation. And then Rick will have that available on his website and we'll have it available on ours. But it's um, it, it's just an interesting, you know. I, I kind of played moderator, so yeah. I'm sitting between these two legends, you know, Rick Steves and Martin Sheen, and I'm and I'm doing the uh, I'm I'm doing a lot of the Q and A uh, or you know a, a part of that. Well, as a good writer and a good director should. I mean, we get right down to it. I mean, you're, yeah, I mean, that's that's Thank your you. role. That that's the part that you play in all of this too. And of course, your cameos are just they're they're poignant, they're haunting in the movie. The way I'm talking with Emilio Estevez today here on the Bottom Line. The way is in theaters on May 16th. It's a one night only Fathom Events event. We will be giving away tickets here at the end of our conversation. So make sure you're armed and ready to dial. The, the the relationship that you have with your dad in real life, of course, is nothing like Daniel and uh, Tom's relationship in the way. It is not. And, no. and, but <laughs> but I not. can imagine, though, there might have been a few points along the way as you were filming this thing where you, you and your dad have worked together a couple of times. It's about the third or we fourth have. time. Yeah, yeah. We have. What's it like working with him? Because when you're directing him, I mean, it's not like he isn't an actor you know, who's, you know, how temperamental he could be. But he's your dad, too. The only problem I I really encountered working with, with Martin, with my pop, and and I say problem in, in quotes, is that he's never met a stranger. Mm. So for instance, if you, if you meet him, the first thing he'll ask you is where you're from. And then, and then he'll go into, oh, I was there one time and I did. So he makes it very (laughs) personal. And uh, Tom, the character he plays in the movie, is not that guy. Right. So I had to keep reminding him that he wasn't running for mayor, that he, he <laughs> needed to reserve some part of himself, that he yeah. needed to be this kind of curmudgeonly, kind of prickly kind of guy that is not the friendliest, which is goes against every fiber of, of my dad's being. 
Mm-hmm. And and I found I would find myself getting very frustrated with the fact that he would, you know, I wanted him to stay in character, yeah. and which was impossible for him to do. So, for instance, he'd start speaking Spanish, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, right into the in the beginning of the movie. And I said, you know, listen, uh, you don't speak Spanish, right? Tom doesn't speak movie. Spanish, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're not from here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom, Tom and, from and the country like, ah, club. I get it, I get it. But, you know, He's why a... can't I just say Cafe Con Leche? I said, because you don't know that yet. <laughs> You'll get there. You'll discover that. But let, uh-huh. you know, you've got you to gotta not be you. Yeah. And you've got to be this guy. You've got to be yeah. Tom Avery, not Martin Sheen. And so that yeah. was, for me, that was a lot of the, my angst on set was, was mostly driven by that. You know, he wants to shake everybody's hand. He wants to know everybody's name. He wants to, he, so just getting him to set to do the scenes can sometimes take 10, 15 minutes oh my. because he's stopping along the way to, to say hello to everyone. <laughs> Emilio Which is a Stavis. wonderful quality. Yes, uh, it is. Uh, but it, 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 you know, it, it throws your 12-hour day uh, into a 14-hour one if you're, oh, I'll bet if, it if you're lucky. I'll bet it does. Emilio Esteb is with me today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, the brand new movie is a brand new release of a movie that was actually made about uh, 10, 12 years ago called The Way. It's about the 500-mile-ish trek from France to Spain to the uh, uh, called the Camino de Santiago, where the, uh, the remains of uh, uh, the Apostle James are buried. More to come in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Emilio Estevez with me today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, the brand new movie is a brand new release of a movie that was actually made about uh, 10, 12 years ago called The Way. It's about the 500-mile-ish trek from France to Spain to the uh, uh, called the Camino de Santiago, where the, uh, the remains of uh, uh, the Apostle James are buried. And it's a fascinating look, not only at rediscovering faith, but... Uh, Emilio, talk about the fact that I'm sure you're hearing from a lot of younger people. We, I, I see George Barna's reports all the time now that say Generation Z has maybe 4% of them have a biblical worldview. America on the whole really doesn't have this kind of faith that they used to have. And a lot right. of people would say, hey, I was in the church. I got burned by the church. I don't want anything to do with the church, but there's still a spiritual hunger. And this movie That's really right. helps address that, doesn't it? That's right. And I, I think too, Roger, that coming out of the pandemic that you know, we just lost over over a million people. Yeah, a million and five million on the planet, but but over a million one Americans who were here three years ago are are not, and we haven't. I, I don't think we've we've really taken the time to grieve about that yet. We're sort of moving on. What's next? What's next? Right. It's like, well, <laughs> I'll tell you what's next. Reflection. Mm-hmm. You've got to take a moment to reflect on that. You've got to take a moment to reflect on where your life is now, no matter what your age, but especially if you're a young person, yeah. you're looking at, gosh, you know, I'm, I may have just lost some people who are really important in my life, a, a father, a mother, a grandfather, unnecessarily. And well, where do I see my life going now? And, you know, is it, is it a spiritual life? Is there, is, am, am I lacking that component that I need to to be able to process what's coming, because not, after after the last three years, man, none of us know what's coming. Right, right. <laughs> none, of <us laughs> none of us were prepared for that. Yeah, at all. And it, yet, so well, I think that 
I think people, especially young people, are, are going to have to take a moment to reflect mm-hmm. and ask themselves what's important and, and really dig into that. And I think that's why we've seen so many people leaving their jobs, reassessing where they live. And, and, and I think that that's sort of the beginning of it. And I think, again, at the end of the day, we are all looking for some measure of community. Mm. And, and you oftentimes, when you're alone in the city, the only, or even a, a rural town, the only place you find that community is, is in the churches. Mm-hmm. And this new so, movie, The Way, is, is key to, I mean, the pilgrimage that you're talking about here. This is where people say, okay, I'm going to find my community with people in a faith tradition. I'm going to find that, uh, you know, that, that common thread, knowing uh, right. how to, to deal with it. And, and um, nobody you, starts, nobody actually finishes the Camino in the same way that they started. In other words, right. some guys will say, well, I'm going out there, I'm looking for a wife, or I'm looking for adventure, or I'm looking to lose a little weight. You get to that cathedral and you fall on your knees Hmm. because it's so overwhelming. Yeah. You walk into this cathedral and you weep. And and, uh, most of the pilgrims that I have met following their journey is just, it's elation, it's, uh, it's, it's gratitude, and it's the joy of being alive and being, and, and having that common sort of thread with other pilgrims that you're not just sharing the road as church with the people that you may have made the journey with in that moment. You're sharing it with a thousand years of history. Mm. Mm-hmm. St. Mm-hmm. Francis, you're sharing the journey with St. Francis. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's profound. And, yeah. and there's really, there, you know, I think about it now and I, I get emotional. It's just, uh, there, there's something to it that is you, you really can't put words to until you're there and you see it and uh, and and you you cannot be not changed by it yeah it's interesting emilio estevez is with me today here on the bottom line talking about the movie the way which is not only a a reference to the camino de santiago from france to spain but also it's a reference of course to the early church which was referred to people of the way or just the way we've got about 60 seconds left in our time together emilio there are people who are of very devout strong faith people like your dad you know who was involved in this and and i'm sure this had a profound impact on him a lot of people are going to go see this movie as kind of a uh, kind of a confirmation of what they already have in their mm-hmm. faith, but others are going to right. see it and they're on that journey. They're saying, "Man, I need a pilgrimage," and I'm going to kind of live vicariously through Tom Avery and Martin Sheen for the next couple of right. hours here. What is as the writer, director, and the guy who's behind this? Your family has a big history with this uh, Camino. Uh, what what is your hope for the, those who go to see the film? Well, I I think with with a lot of the entertainment that's coming out of Hollywood um, and and the, the gatekeepers there that that think that they know what their you know what their audience what the what the American audience is looking for, um, I think in many many times they're right, but also as many times as they're right, they're also wrong. Mm. And this is not a movie that has that popped up on any big studio's radar, and yet it it's got a blockbuster heart. Mm-hmm. There is a lot going on in this movie that's very subtle. It's yes. just not not obvious, and I think <laughs> that it really it really cuts right to the core of who we are as 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 human beings, and it and it celebrates our humanity. I think in in a way that 
that many movies don't. Um, this is this movie is a is really pro life mm. because it celebrates life. Absolutely, absolutely, it celebrates the commonality, the community, and as Emilio Estevez mentioned at the start of our conversation. People are finding that in the church. Even people who don't have a church connection right now are searching and reaching. And, and a project like The Way kind of gives legs, kind of gives ears and eyes to what some of the heart's desires may be. And I think it's going to touch a lot of people in a very positive way. Um, the movie is in theaters on Tuesday, May the 16th. It's a 7 p.m. showing, but Emilio, you, you were telling me earlier, there's a possibility they may add extra showings. How many screens are you guys on? With this project, we're on just under a thousand screens Excellent. across the country. Okay, and um, and there may we're talking right now about the potential of a 4 p.m. screening uh, prior to the 7 p.m. screening that's currently on on offer. Fantastic. So it, it really is going to depend on the advanced ticket sales, and and mm-hmm. they've been strong, but we'd like to see them stronger. Yes. Uh, as and when, and and that and and as and as as long as that keeps up, the momentum for that keeps up, we're going to add that that 4 p.m. screening. Okay. Well, we will keep our listeners posted. Of course, the trailer is up for the way at thebottomlineshow.com, and we'll be giving away a couple of tickets that our friends at Fathom Events have made available to us to kind of prime the pump a little bit. But Emilio Estevez, know that you're a very busy guy, and this is a very heartfelt project for you and your dad and your whole family. So we're very grateful that you spent some time with us today talking about it here on The Bottom Line. God bless you, sir. No, I'm, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to, to talk to you and your listeners, and, and I really appreciate the support. It, it means a lot, and um, and I know you you probably don't hear that enough, but uh, but we we really really appreciate it and uh, the 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 opportunity to to really amplify this uh, message and and film that I I really believe needs another uh, further consideration and another look. All right, well, Emilio, thanks for being with us today here on the Bottom Line. Thank you, my pleasure. Well, what a great dialogue and what a fantastic movie, a powerful one at that. Emilio Estevez, the director and the writer of the brand new movie, new to you, new to me, if you haven't seen it. It's been out for a while, but this is a reissue with some updated footage at the end uh, at a Fathom Events event coming near you next Tuesday. The movie's called The Way. It stars Martin Sheen. It's about the Camino de Santiago and that 500-mile journey from the French Pyrenees all the way up through uh, the cathedral in uh, Spain where James's remains are buried. We've got the trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have a couple pair of tickets to give away for the Fathom Events event, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Of course, if you call in and don't get a chance to win the ticket, well, you'll get the chance. If you don't win the tickets there, we still have screeners also of the baby boomer dilemma from our our friends at uh, Wilson Financial Services. So you are going to win a movie today when you call the bottom line show. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years? 
After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. My thanks again to Emilio Estevez for joining me today here on The Bottom Line. Yeah, the mighty ducks, Emilio. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Andrew, be the best, you know, from uh, Breakfast Club. Yeah, you remember him. This movie, The Way, you can tell it's deeply personal to him. And it meant even more uh, having his dad, Martin Sheen, play the lead role in the movie. The Way, about that 500-mile trek from the French Pyrenees all the way to the cathedral in Spain where the remains of the Apostle James are buried. Um, the movie's up at the bottom line show.com, the trailer is anyway, and we're giving away a couple pair of tickets. There's a special one-night-only screening of The Way in theaters, Fathom Events, Tuesday night, May 16th. Uh, check your local listings. There are going to be around 1,000 screens carrying these, this movie. And because today is May 8th, you've got lots of time to figure out when you win the tickets whether or not you can actually use them in a theater near you. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. The movie was filmed in 2009. It was produced in 2010. It was released in the box office in 2011. And over the past decade, The Way has grossed around $20 million in box office without a lot of publicity. Um, when the DVD came out, had the privilege of talking with Emilio literally about 11 years ago, almost to the day. And I remember at the time uh, thinking, oh boy, we're really getting somewhere with this show. <laughs> We've got a guy like Emilio Estevez who wants to have a conversation. He was great and gracious then. Moving forward here to where our lives are today, where mine is, where yours, you know, where it's come from 2012 to 2023. I know Lisa, my wife and I were watching the, the updated version of The Way and it was very moving for both of us. I think the thing that really st stuck with us first and foremost was the ability to find God in the pilgrimage. The idea that, um, and this comes out in the uh, little tag along after documentary afterwards, talking about how the church in the West especially has moved from let's build big cathedrals to honor God which is kind of an Old Testament thing. Let's build a house of the Lord. Let's have a tabernacle, holy of holies. Let's have an altar. To the church is the people. And so wherever we go, and go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's who the body of Christ is. But the journey, the pilgrimage, I mean, the fact that the early church were literally was literally referred to as the way, as in people of the way, people who are making this um, journey. It's a, incredible to think about this. But it's so powerful because along the way, you see Martin Sheen's character, Tom, you know, he's grieving the loss of his son, Daniel. He had gone to collect Daniel's things, his remains and his backpack. That's all he had when he, he was walking that same journey. And on the first day he dies inexplicably. It's not important to the movie how Daniel passes away, but that Tom goes to get his stuff and take the journey and you know, carry that backpack with him. 
has tremendous significance because he first starts thinking about his relationship with his son and things he could have done differently. And, you know, here was this kid who was nearly 40 years old and never really settled down. And dad's an optometrist or an ophthalmologist. And he's got the country club membership and all the patients he can handle. And I uh, got a great, you know, the, they were estranged even further when uh, Daniel's mother died and uh, Tom loses the love of his life. And then you could see that they died kind of estranged. And this is a chance for, uh, Daniel dies kind of estranged from his father. They have a chance to kind of put that together. But along the pilgrimage, along the Camino, you hear healing. You see it happening where he's able to get closer to God, to to grow stronger in his faith, to um, uh, even to uh, just, you know, be able to come to terms with things that have happened and ask for forgiveness. And that's what really hit Lisa and me the hardest at the end of this movie was the the need for forgiveness. But, you know, the older you get, when you're a young Christian, you're like, oh yeah, God forgives my sins because of Jesus died and paid the penalty. Okay, I'm good with that. But the older we get, we get more wisdom, we get more understanding. You become aware of the places where we got hurt by other people, spiritually, physically, emotionally. But you also begin to realize some of the things that we've done and the places that we sin, not only against other people, but against God. And on this pilgrimage, I mean, it, it really, maybe it's because so many of us have been at home so much and away from other people for the past couple of years that are just now kind of getting into it. Others have been back in the flow for quite a while. But there's something that we both kind of looked at each other and said, Next milestone birthday, we are walking this thing. <laughs> and I highly recommend that you see it. Yeah, I think it will be a life-changing experience. The Way, starring Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez. In theaters, one night only, Fathom Events event on Tuesday, May the 16th. We have two pair of tickets to give away today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, Rabbi Schneider awaits you with Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain on the network, biblical counselors and pastors often have questions when someone looking for counseling is struggling with a mixture of physical, emotional, and spiritual difficulties. What kind of counsel can they get and give? Uh, Dr. Charles Hodges is going to join me next to talk about the Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference Guide and how we can provide biblical answers and solutions to people dealing with all sorts of different problems. That's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to talk about a topic that uh, has changed a lot in terms of how it's discussed in the Christian community, but uh, we're going to do so from a spiritual perspective and also from a medical perspective as well, and that issue is counseling. Dr. Charles Hodges is with me. He's a family physician, a graduate of the Indiana School of Medicine, also has a master's degree in counseling and a master's in religion from Liberty University, the executive director of Vision of Hope, counselor and instructor at Faith Biblical Counseling Ministry, and a fellow with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. We're going to talk about a resource that he has put together uh, called the Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference, and we've got this up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Charles Hodges, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Well, it's good to be here. Thanks for asking me. I think about pastors, and I'm thinking about one in particular who uh, here in Southern California has uh, quite a bit of notoriety, uh, especially 30 or so years ago, where he said, counseling is not biblical. 
And now he is the president of a Christian university that offers a degree in biblical counseling. So, you know, I realize we've kind of come a long way. But talk about what it means to for someone to provide biblical counseling, more than just someone who goes to their pastor and says, I have a question about something, and they pull out scripture and try to answer it that way. You're talking about healthcare professionals as well as uh, those who have that pastoral background. Well, biblical counseling, um, as we see it today, uh, began sometime in the 1970s. And in particular, uh, for me, uh, the fellow who started the biblical counseling ministry in Lafayette, Indiana, was Dr. Robert um, uh, Smith. And he, uh, along with uh, the pastor of Faith Church, uh, started the Faith Biblical Counseling Ministry. Mm -hmm. And what Faith Biblical Counseling Ministry set out to do was to offer counseling not only to church members, but to individuals in the community who were struggling with things like worry and, and depression and problems with marriage and problems with, with raising children, and to offer them real hope and, and real answers from the scripture concerning the problems that they were having. And that was the beginning of it and has continued to grow. Uh, eventually, the church started teaching uh, people. We have a, a ministry that teaches uh, other lay people and pastors uh, how to counsel folks from the scripture. We think that uh, the, the Bible has sufficient words, sufficient answers for the problems that people face. Um, and, and that's how biblical counseling started and how it continues today. Is it uh, an either or a both end? Take someone, for example, like we're seeing a lot more people being diagnosed with depression or anxiety, things of that nature. And there might be the tendency to think, okay, well, uh, you need a good counselor for that to help with the psychological and the emotional. But then you're a medical doctor, so obviously there are some other things that might be happening there too. Uh, you you, uh, you have both weapons in your <laughs> quiver, as it were. Uh, at what point does the pastor say you need a qualified biblical counselor and the counselor says, hey, maybe Maybe we need to bring an MD involved in this conversation. Well, we try to uh, help pastors become qualified biblical counselors, but you know, the pastor who lacks experience and wants some help um, um, would send their um, counsel individual to our counseling center. And one of the first things that we would do for an individual who was um, offering that they were depressed was to make sure that they had seen their physician in the last year because there are medical problems which affect individuals' moods. There are medicines which affect individuals' moods. Mm -hmm. and we want to make sure that, that we're not counseling um, um, a problem that needs a medical correction um, first and foremost. And, and so we were pretty quick. One of my first assignments for individuals who come to counseling is if you haven't seen your doctor in the last year, I'd like for you to make an appointment, go see them and get a good physical and get appropriate laboratory workup to make sure that you don't have hypothyroidism or something else that might explain your problems uh, as well as spiritual issues. Mm -hmm. I'm talking with Dr. Charles Hodges today here on The Bottom Line. The brand new book is called The Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference. We've got a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com. 
during the pandemic, we heard reports of people who were more likely to abuse uh, medications or uh, suffer from depression, anxiety, isolation, those types of issues. Now that we're coming out of this, Dr. Hodges, do you think that the church is in a better position to, they're seeing more people showing up at, you know, worship services again and Bible studies and and not kind of staying away? I've heard some statistics that uh, as many as 25% of people who were actively engaged in their church pre-pandemic still haven't come back yet. They're still maybe because they're dealing with an issue that they're not quite sure that the church would quote unquote, understand how to deal with. Well, I've seen those statistics too, that say that there are folks who've gotten really uh, used to uh, drinking their coffee and in their pajamas and watching the live stream of church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, uh, this past uh, Easter Sunday, not a couple Sundays ago, uh, we had the largest crowd uh, for church that we've had in the history of Faith Church. Wow. And, uh, so I, I really think it just depends on where you're at and which, you know, what church you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, over time, there has been a decline in the United States uh, for church attendance, which started all the way back in 1950, I believe. And at the same time, the kind of problems that we deal with in biblical counseling have been rising at a similar similar rate, uh, you know, as, as our nation becomes more divided from the answers to be found in scripture, I think our nation has more struggles. And it's our aim in biblical counseling to help people to find those answers. And it's interesting talking with Dr. Charles Hodges today here on The Bottom Line about this outstanding new resource called the Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference. This is the second edition of this book, and we've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. There are topics of conversation happening in churches right now, Dr. Hodges, I'm sure you would agree, that weren't commonplace conversations five to 10 years ago. I I know uh, one pastor who's involved in a cancer ministry and the organization Cancer Treatment Centers of America are encouraging churches to have that, you've just been diagnosed, now what, you know, post-cancer, you know, survivor, that type of thing. And things like, uh, we mentioned uh, depression, anxiety, but also ADHD, obsessive compulsive disorder, things of that nature. These are things that have a medical challenge to them, but also there are some biblical priorities I know that you write about in this uh, uh, counselor's uh, medical desk reference. Talk about what you mean by that. Well, um, you know, when we set out to write the uh, Christian counselor's medical desk reference, my aim was for us to deal with about 20 subjects that uh, would help counselors and help the reader uh, to understand the, the problems that are involved. You mentioned ADHD. Uh, I picked uh, a registered nurse who uh, had experience in it, who could write about it. And what I asked the individuals to do was to first give us uh, a case history that had been um, sanitized in a way so that nobody's personal information was was given, but that would express the story. And then to give uh, a uh, the medical, the current medical understanding of it, and then give a, a biblical counseling approach. And that's what we did throughout the book. We, we did that with depression. As you mentioned, we did it with OCD and schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. And what our aim was, was to give individuals who would read the book, the opportunity when they were confronted with this kind of problem to have a really good biblical answer uh, that would be helpful, that would help the individual that was struggling. So that, that, had, that has been the aim of the book. You know, it's interesting as you were describing that, Dr. Charles Hodges, I, I couldn't help but 
hear the scripture in my head uh, when the man born blind is brought, you know, to Jesus, which one of these, uh, which one of his parents sinned? You know, oftentimes we we still have that attitude 22,000 uh, years later, where you see somebody, for example, who's dealing with uh, schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. And oftentimes they're the, 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 I don't want to say the easy way out, but is, isn't there some kind of meditation that just kind of mellow them out, you know, like an antidepressant and kind of get on their way. But I like the fact that in this resource, the Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference, you're getting into, sure, there's some medical things we can do, but also there's some biblical things and there, there's a spiritual component to this as well. That must be very rewarding for you as someone who not only has uh, an MD, but also an MDiv, if you will. Well, it's it's fun that you would mention the the fellow born blind sitting beside the road and and the disciples asking who sinned. I've always pointed out that the man wasn't deaf. You know, <laughs> yeah, as he's sitting there, he's hearing this. You know? I'm right here. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm I'm hearing you talk. And uh, when when I uh, one of the instructions I gave the the writers, who there were ten doctors and two nurses. Uh, one social worker, and then a fellow who was the former head of uh, of the pharmacy school at a large Midwestern university. One of the things I told them uh, was uh, was a thing that Amy Baker had told me when I wrote a chapter for her in the and caring for the souls of children. And she said, "Think about these individuals first as sufferers, and then think about them as sinners second. Mm. You know, instead of approaching them as." as people who've done things that uh, have put them in this miserable place they're in, instead think about the fact that they're suffering and that the reason why they came to talk to you was because they were suffering and that no solution that they had found elsewhere was was meeting the need. So that's that was how we aimed the book to sort of avoid that trap of being some like Job's comforters or right. like disciples <laughs> along the road with the yeah. blind man. Boy, there, there's a ministry name that uh, I know what he wants to take, uh, Job Suffers. But uh, <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm grateful that Dr. Charles Hodges is part of this team that has created the Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference. It's the second edition of this book. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment. The Bottom Line continues. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. 
Continuing conversation with Dr. Charles Hodges today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, Dr. Hodges is the, uh, uh, the, the driving force behind the second edition of the Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. He's a family physician, also has an MA in counseling and an MA in religion from Liberty University. The uh, MD came from Indiana School of Medicine. Uh, Dr. Hodges, we noted this is the second edition. During the break, you and I were talking about the fact that the first edition must have really been good, or maybe it needed a little bit of tweaking to make it more reader-friendly and applicable in 2023. What was the uh, uh, the driving force behind coming out with this new edition of this book? Well, the first edition was written by my mentor and friend, Robert Smith. He was a family physician as well, and he was uh, one of the two men, uh, along with Dr. Bill Good, who... Um, started the Faith Biblical Counseling Ministry. And after up, up, somewhere around the year uh, 2000, uh, several people asked him to write the first edition. And he wrote that all by himself, mm -hmm. uh, which is a remarkable thing. And uh, it was published. And um, uh, then as time went forward, it, it got to around about 20 years later, uh, Dr. Smith recognized that the medical information in it was dated. Uh, you know, as, as I was telling one group today, the um, I can t I can tell you that the word of God doesn't change. It's it's it forever settled. It's always going to be the same. Uh, the truth in it will always be true. But medicine changes every five minutes. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, a, a book printed about medicine uh, is almost out of date by the time the ink dries on the page. <laughs> And yeah. so the medical stuff in the in the doc in Doc's book. Uh, Medicine had moved on, and he was it was hoping that I would be willing to be the editor for the for the next edition. I I sort of tried to keep keep it at arm's length for a couple of years, but finally he roped me in, and I and I agreed to agreed to be the editor. I think that's a, it's very admirable, and it, you drive home a very important point, Doctor Charles Hodges. It, for the past three, four years, we've heard a lot in the media about people who are, you know, trying to uh, identify a treatment to find out the cause of a virus that was very unfamiliar to us. And the phrase that we heard often was the quote unquote, the science is settled. And what you have just shared with us with regard to medicine and things of that nature is I have a daughter who's doing some research right now in graduate study, and she said, the science isn't settled. That's the reason why we do what we do. You know, we're trying to find, uh, you know, better information with regard to why there's been a big uptick in uh, ADHD or bipolar or whatever. Is it diet related? Is it, you know, culturally related, whatever. And the fact that you... Uh, uh, with tongue kind of planted firmly in cheek saying, hey, look, you write a book on medicine or the internet or whatever, it's going to be out of print, you know, by the or out of date by the time it goes to print. And so I'm grateful that you've done this uh, second edition. And I'm, I know there will be further modifications as uh, more scientific discoveries come our way. The Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference uh, by Dr. Charles Hodges and a team of uh, 10 doctors and two nurses who put these uh, chapters together. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. During the break, Charles, we were talking about one of the chapters in this book that addresses uh, the 800-pound gorilla in the room for a lot of families, and that is the issue of suicide. And especially from a Christian perspective, it's one of the more common questions that I've been asked in pastoral ministry. I know that there are a lot of people who will hear about someone either accidentally taking their life or, or maybe intentionally. And it seems like in the church, more and more, even pastors around here in Southern California, there have been a couple of fairly prominent churches that have had members of their pastoral staff decide to that they can't go on anymore. Um, talk about what 
kind of counsel is available, what you recommend for people who have had suicidal thoughts, who their, you know, their loved ones are scratching their head either because someone attempted suicide or, or they actually succeeded in taking their own life. It's got to be a thorny issue. It is a difficult thing. And, uh, you know, it's really hard for uh, families who've lost loved ones as a result of someone uh, killing themselves. I, I remember when, um, Robin, uh, the uh, guy who played uh, in in Aladdin in the cartoon. Um, oh, Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when Rob, Robin Williams uh, uh, killed himself. And 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 people, if if what's really um, amazing to me about it is nobody's ever exactly going to know why. Right. And but despite that, everybody asks the question. You know, that 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 becomes the driving thing. I need to understand why my loved one did this. And uh, unfortunately, there's there is no good answer. I as in medicine, one of the things that that we do almost routinely is is to ask people about depression. And the reason why is because you can't just look at someone's face and figure out if they're depressed mm-hmm. or not. And yeah. the reality is that if you'll ask the questions about depression, you'll you'll find twice as many people who are depressed at the time than um, than you would have as if you're just making your own assumptions about them. And one of the things that concerns people, you know, about asking individuals if they are um, uh, thinking of, of committing suicide is whether or not by asking them they would uh, increase the likelihood that they might do it. And research would tell us that that is not the case, that you, you know, you're always better off if you think you're dealing with someone who might be thinking about harming themselves to ask, you know, are you thinking of harming yourself? Are you thinking of harming others? And uh, that's always a good, always a good question. The, yeah. the only, only comfort that I can find uh, for situations like that is is the same kind of comfort you find in John 11 with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Um, you know, I don't I don't know that Mary and Martha and Lazarus ever got to ask Jesus why in the world he didn't show up on time. You know, mm-hmm. why did you wait four days to show up and, and let my brother die? But I know that that they found comfort in His presence, and and I I, I point families who've lost uh, loved ones in in that direction. I think it's always important when you think that you have an individual who's struggling with depression uh, in your family to to ask, are you thinking about this? And if they are, then then at that point it becomes time to find them help to talk. You know, to talk to someone who has experience talking about depression and who has experience in dealing with with individuals who might be thinking of that. We in biblical counseling have that kind of experience and and can can help individuals who struggle in that way. You know, I'm grateful for Dr. Charles Hodges and his team that have put together this Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference Book that's up at thebottomlineshow.com because when you look at the things that are plaguing people, you know, in the society on the whole, but also in the church, I think more and more there are a lot of pastors. I've talked to them, Dr. Hodges, I'm sure you have too, who said, hey, this is 
these are all issues that are important, but the reason I don't talk about that much is I went to seminary to learn how to do, you know, to, to exegete, to do study homiletics and hermeneutics. I, I, I didn't go for the medical. I didn't go for the, even the council training. Uh, we've got just a few moments left in our conversation. Dr. Charles Hodges, talk about why this resource, I mean, who did you write it for specifically? I mean, is it for counselors? Is it for pastors? Is it for the laity, all of the above? Actually, we wrote it for all of the above. Uh, you know, we wrote it for pastors who have to deal, de meet with and deal with uh, their members who are having problems that are like the ones in the book. We wrote it for counselors uh, so that they, uh, Doc Smith, when he wrote the original book, said one of the reasons why he wrote it is because he would get phone calls or letters saying, Dr. Smith, I have a counselee who says that they can't grow or change uh, because they have X, and X would be the diagnosis. And what he wanted them to know is that individuals who struggled with all those Xs could still grow and change and, 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 and develop uh, in, in their faith and, and could have, uh, in, and have peace and, and growth even despite of it. So that was, that was the purpose that was the purpose of the book, and and that's what it remains today. Yeah. Well, mission accomplished, especially with this new one, and I'll have to go back and check the first one and compare notes. But uh, Dr. Charles Hodges, the Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference is a must-read for pastors, for people in the counseling world. Uh, if you are in a situation where uh, your family has wrestled with some of the issues here, this is a great resource to have for some good guidance from 10 different doctors, a couple of different nurses, and uh, that uh, all coming from the faith-based perspective. Uh, the book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Charles Hodges, thanks for the work you've done on the Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference, and thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Fantastic, helpful conversation with Dr. Charles Hodges Jr. today here on The Bottom Line. The book, again, it has kind of a clinical title. It's the Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference. But this is a must for any counselor, any pastor, and even for people in the, you know, just in the laity like us who are wondering, okay, well, how much of what I'm dealing with is just physical? Do I need a diet change or exercise or whatever? How much of this is spiritual and how much of this is... Uh, you know, God saying, my grace is sufficient for you. We do have a copy of this book to give away, by the way. We'd love to place it in your hands. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the book is called The Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. Eight hundred two two seven five two seven eight is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, we're going to take a look at one aspect of what Dr. Hodges and I talked about that I really want to underscore that I think is of great concern to us in the body of Christ. We're coming up on that conversation. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a 
$15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to Preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. My thanks again to Dr. Charles Hodges Jr. for joining me today here on The Bottom Line. We've been talking about his new book. He's the general editor of and contributor for the Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we are giving away a copy right now. If you know someone who's wrestling with mental illness, if you know someone who is uh, uh, in pastoral ministry, and they say, wow, I can't, all these people are coming to me, and they're depressed, and you know, what am I, they've got anxiety, what am I supposed to do? This is a great resource to have for them, and what a great gift to share with them. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. I really appreciate the fact that Dr. Hodges and his team are dealing with where people are, where it's anywhere from bipolar disorder, PTSD, premenstrual syndrome, postpartum, uh, even tackling subjects like suicide. The world has gotten so much more complex, and I think it's interesting. I saw a meme the other day where uh, a guy said, I think a new reality show would be fun to watch where every baby boomer who's ever, ever given kind of pithy advice to millennials and Generation Z, well, this is how we do it. You should do it this way too. If they saw how their own advice played out in the current world, what their reaction would be, it'd be priceless to have that on film for a TV show. And I tend to agree. This is the thing about wisdom that is so important. Uh, a pastoral friend of mine shared this uh, social media post the other day too, and it was a good reminder. I think I talked about it last week here on The Bottom Line, saying, if you are concerned that you'll ever blaspheme the Holy Spirit, don't worry, because you won't. And the reason is the fact that you're concerned that you might do it means that the Holy Spirit won't let you do it. And I thought, you know, that's a pretty good way to kind of sum up where we are right now. There are a lot of people who are saying, well, just because my world worked a certain way, yours should also work that way too. Can you imagine, I mean, psychologists and sociologists are telling us that adolescence, which used to be a period where when I started working in youth ministry, we would refer to adolescence as kids ages 12 to 17 and maybe age 11 and sometimes age 18 or 19 as they got older. But the thought was once you graduate from high school, then guess what? You are going to get a job and get on with yourself. Now, sociologists tell us that adolescence lasts until age 27 for most young adults. So if you've got a child in their mid-30s, they are probably on the same socio level and maybe even socioeconomic level as you and I were at age 21, 22, 23. What does that mean for us today? What it means, quite frankly, is we need to place our trust in the Lord, but we also need to get our head out of our own bubble so that we can be of more benefit to people who are wrestling with these challenging issues of the day. The good news is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his truths are timeless and eternal. That's the good news, and that's the bottom line.